the book of Psalms and chapter 78. I call your attention to three verses starting in verse 9. Psalm 78 and verse 9. The children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. It had been a good revival meeting on the East Coast, but I was looking forward to getting home. It would be a long flight across country that would take most of the day, but it doesn't matter when you're going home. All you pray for is that traffic will be light on the way to the airport, that flights will be on time, and everything will go, as I call it, uneventful. I got up early, made my way to the airport fine. Traffic was light, which was good. Got to the airport, plenty of time. Boarded my first flight to Minneapolis, Minnesota. All went well. Arrived at Minneapolis, had a short layover, but I'm pretty good shape. I can make it. And so I had quite a distance to cover on foot, but I hustled along and kind of kept checking the monitors as I walked to check my flight and, and my number and my destination on that monitor to make sure that the gate had not changed. I rounded a corner, arriving at my gate, G4, about 10 minutes before final boarding. As I rounded that corner, I was met by 400 people who suddenly turned around angrily and began running toward me. For a moment, I thought I was in Spain and running with the bulls. As that angry mob disappeared down the terminal corridor, I kind of dusted myself off and made my way to the, to the gate. There was the monitor above the gate and it had my flight number and my destination, Los Angeles. But underneath there was a message flashing. Flight canceled. Lack of crew. I sort of timidly walked to the attendant there and inquired of the interpretation of this message. She informed me that one of the flight attendants had failed to show up. and They had not found a replacement. And the flight could not leave with anything less than a full crew. I volunteered to serve for free. <laughs> I mean, after all, I've traveled a little. I know how a seatbelt works, and I thought I could demonstrate it. The oxygen mask never looks overly complicated. Around midnight, after spending about seven hours in line with 400 other people trying to find flight options, we were taken to a motel for the night. You know, you never really miss your toothbrush until you're in the Hilton without one. Walmart was closed, and I didn't have a car to go to one if one had been open. 
The meal voucher was for $7. I looked at the, the menu in the hotel room for delivery and a bottle of water was $4.50. Lack of crew. If I ever meet that flight attendant that called out that day, she's gonna be in big trouble. God is designing this very moment a destination called heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What a destination. Heaven. I read in Revelation 21 that God will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. John begins to write there in chapter 21 that the angel carried him away to, in, by the Spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed him that great city, that holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, having the glory of God, and had a great wall, great and high, 12 gates, on the east three gates, on the west three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates. The walls of the city were 12 had 12 foundations. He that measured the city had a golden reed to measure the city. The length, the width, the height of it are all equal. The Bible says there that he, he measured that city and the building of the wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like unto transparent glass. The foundations of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third of Chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardius, the sixth, uh, the fifth, the sixth sard sardonyx, the seventh a chrysolite, the eighth a beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth chrysopris, the eleventh adjacent, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were of twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. Wow. What a place. And the city has no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God doth lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light thereof. Heaven, that wonderful destination that God is preparing. And God has already filed a flight plan. It's called the rapture. I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we believe also that them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, listen, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For that trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. For this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption hath put on incorruption and this mortal hath put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that saying, death is swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one flight going to heaven. There's only one airline. His name's Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And guess what? He's already paid the fare. He offers this trip as a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb slain without spot, without blemish. Oh, listen, God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A destination called heaven. A flight plan called the rapture. A ticket that's already been paid for. But sadly, many are walking through the terminals of life unaware that there is such a flight. Unaware of such a destination. Knowing nothing about a free ticket. The archangel is warming his voice, ready to shout. Gabriel is tuning his trumpet, ready to play. The angels are poised, waiting to rend the heavens. Jesus Christ watches for the Father to give the signal to go back and get his bride. But billions of people will miss this flight because of a lack of crew. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. I think of that man in John chapter 5 who had sat by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He was sick. And everyone knew who passed by that pool that there were times when the angel would come down and trouble the waters in that pool. And anyone who could get into that water first would be healed of any infirmity they had. Jesus walked by that pool one day and he said to the impotent man, why sittest thou here? Why don't you get into the pool? I mean, you've been here for 38 years. Do you like being sick? Are you content to, 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 to not have health? What's your problem? And the man looked at Jesus. And he said, sir, I have no man to help me. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. What sad words, I, I have no man to help me, a lack of crew. I think, think of the Ethiopian eunuch who in Acts chapter 8 was sitting in his chariot. 
He was reading Isaiah the prophet. He was reading of the coming Messiah. And Philip, prompted by the Holy Spirit of God, went and joins himself to that chariot. And he asked him the question, understandest thou what thou readest? He's reading the word of God. He's reading the Old Testament scriptures. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But his response to Philip was, how can I? How can I understand except some man should guide me? Lack of crew. I looked on my right hand and beheld, and no man would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. People missed their flight that night. Families were left ununited. An airline was discredited. Money and man hours were lost. An entire crew was crippled and rendered useless because one person decided to be a no-show. She'd been trained. She'd been given a schedule to work. She had a uniform. She had a security clearance. She had everything necessary to do her job. But she didn't show. Students at West Coast, you are being armed. You are being taught to carry the bow. You are sitting in classes being trained as laborers for the harvest. You are being equipped. You are being given tools. You are being educated. But my question is, when departure time for the ministry is posted, will you be there? There are three characteristics of a missing crew in these verses we've read. The first characteristic of a missing crew is an aborted will. In verse number 10 of our text, they kept not the covenant of God. Notice in verse 9, they were armed, they were carrying bows, but they kept not the covenant of God. Can I tell you something? When God saved you, you entered into a covenant of service. When that flight attendant was hired by that airline, she was hired to serve. She was not hired to ride in an airplane from city to city. And students, you, when you got saved, God didn't, didn't save you so that you could sit in a plane and coast through life until you get to heaven. God saved you so that you could serve. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We have a reasonable request by God himself that we would serve him with our life. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God didn't save you to sit silk and sour. He saved you to stand, to strive, to serve. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God has a purpose in saving you. God has a purpose now for your Christian life. And that purpose is to serve him. The apostle Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. As that bright light shined about him, 
He was blinded. He falls to his knees and he says, who art thou, Lord? And, and God begins to speak to Saul. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Saul says, what wilt thou have me to do? And later on in Acts chapter 26, we get Paul's personal testimony as he stands before King Agrippa. And he tells Agrippa, I heard that voice, and he said, Rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister to the Gentiles, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness and inheritance among the Gentiles, which are saved by faith. Listen, Paul, seconds after his conversion, knew that God had saved him with the purpose to serve him. And Paul goes through his life, not just coasting along, not just riding on the airplane. But when he comes to that close of his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. But in that same chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, just four verses later, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Lack of crew. Oh, we thank God for all the souls that were saved under Paul's ministry, all the churches that were established, all the things that were accomplished through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I often wonder, what could have been written about the ministry of Demas had he just showed up? And I'm afraid America and I'm afraid the world today is filled with people who are armed and carrying bows, but have turned back in the day of battle. They were taught, but they've turned. They were equipped, but they've evacuated. They were armed, but they've become anemic. They're qualified, but they've quit. They've graduated, but gone aside. When God conceived in your heart that salvation, what God has nurtured in your heart through your development in your home church and now here in this college, may I ask you, don't abort now. Don't call out of the ministry now. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Lack of crew is characterized by an aborted will. But I see, secondly, an abandoned walk. In verse 10, these who were armed and carrying bows, who were turning back, in verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God, they aborted God's will in their life, and they refused to walk in his law. An abandoned walk. They were not refusing to hear the law. They were not refusing to know the law. They were not refusing to understand the law. They were refusing to walk in it. That flight attendant knew how to push a service cart. She knew how to demonstrate the oxygen mask. She knew how to open a compartment door or an exit for emergencies. Young people, can I tell you, it's, it's not just about spitting back answers on an exam. It's not just agreeing with a doctrinal position and being able to give some verses when you stand at orals. 
It's not just about singing the right notes and writing the right kind of sermon outlines and uh, having the right organizational methods or, 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 or having some cutting-edge technology. Those are things that are required for graduation. But what God requires is that a man be found faithful. When that flight is ready to leave. When God needs you in that place to witness to that lost soul. When that church is ready to start. When that mission field is ready to be reached. Are you going to be there? Are you still going to be walking in the ways of God? 2,000 years ago, a man walked this earth his name's familiar. His name started with a J and ended with an S. For three years of ministry, the crowds gathered around him. In his presence, as he preached, people listened. People were healed. Miracles were done. The dead were even raised to life. He was eloquent. He was respected, he was admired, he was honored. His name was Judas. He was armed, he was carrying a bow, but he turned, missing in action. Lack of crew. By the time you get out of here, some of you in just a few days, some of you a couple of months, some of you a year from now, or two years from now, ten years from now. <laughs> but someday, I'm a man of great faith. Someday, you'll walk. And that walk across a platform at graduation time represents a lot. It really does. It'll represent at least 128 credit hours. It'll represent hundreds of projects and assignments having been completed. You'll have read, you'll have typed, you'll have memorized, you'll have crammed. You will have served in ministry assignments, you will have gone soul winning, you will have filled out countless, numerous, painful focus reports. And it will be a great accomplishment. And we will rejoice with you. But if I don't get a chance to tell you that day, may I ask you to write down one additional project. The due date will be determined by God. It will be a daily project. It will be ongoing. 
There will be no minimum or maximum word count. I simply ask you to walk with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. There will be things said about you at graduation that will be wonderful and well-deserved. And you will receive honors and you will receive gifts and people will clap for you and people will say amen about you and people will congratulate you when it's all over. But will, what will matter to him is not your GPA. What will matter to him is not how many people applauded or how many people congratulated or how much money was given in the cards. What will matter is, are you going to walk with me? Students, when you abandon your walk with God, you will move from everything you believe. A lack of crew has an aborted will. They have an abandoned walk. And finally this morning, they have an abducted wonder. In verse 11, these people who were armed and carrying bows, they forgot his works and his wonders that he showed them. I'm afraid crew members are missing in the work of God today because we've lost our wonder. We've lost our awe. The Israelites, boy, when that manna first fell, they were pretty excited. Look at this stuff. Falling out of the sky. God's provision. And it tasted great. They couldn't wait till the next day to get some more. But after a while, it's like all we have is this manna. We're tired of it. We want the leeks, we want the melons, we want the onions, we want the garlic back in Egypt. We're tired of this manna. They lost the wonder. The disciples, they're in the middle of a storm. They're crying out for fear and all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter even got to experience the same. My, how they must have told that story a few times. No more had they experienced that great miracle of Jesus on the water and the calming of the storm. But now Jesus takes a little lunch of five loaves and two small fishes and they get to distribute this food as it, it feeds 5,000 men plus the women and the children. And they were the ones who gathered up the fragments afterwards, 12 baskets. Man, that was a story. In fact, it was such a great story that all four of the Gospels contain that miracle on their record. And yet in Mark chapter 6, just hours later, they were doubting. They were wondering. Jesus had asked a simple question and, and they thought, oh no, it's, we, it's because we didn't bring any bread. They'd already forgotten. 
what God could do. In a matter of hours, they had lost the wonder of God's miraculous power. Don't lose the wonder of your salvation. You're a sinner, saved by grace. Don't lose the wonder of that. Sometimes I just, I just stop and I think, okay, there's 7.7 billion people on the planet. And God saved me. Why would he save me? I don't deserve to be saved any more than someone in China or in India. Don't lose the wonder of your salvation. Students, you're going to sit here for four years and you're going to hear of miracles being, being done. But if you're not careful, you'll forget about the answers to prayer. You, you, you'll forget about that unexpected care package that met your need just at that right time. You'll forget about that money placed on your bill when you, when you needed it in that last desperate hour. You'll forget about the strength God gave you to just keep going to the end of the semester or at least till Thanksgiving break. Don't lose the wonder of God's goodness, of his salvation, of the answers to prayer, the power of God. Don't lose the wonder of it. The more people you're privileged to lead to Christ, the less wonder you're tempted to have about it. The more times you preach and the power of God is upon your message, the more times you'll, you'll, you'll lose the wonder of that. The more times you, you teach a class in a Christian school year after year after year, you, you'll, you'll lose the wonder of that privilege. God has saved us. He's training you. He's calling you to an assignment. We work for Ambassador Airlines. People all over the world are waiting to board that final flight. Destination, heaven. And God is going to send you all over this world, trained, armed, Carrying the bows of your education, carrying the bows of your training. And may no one, may no one, where God has called you to go, look up and see a sign over heaven's door flight canceled, lack of crew. 